for every one human cell in the body, we have over 10 bacterial cells that were a living ecosystem that just floored me the paradigm shift, you know, that, uh, uh, before it, everything was antibacterial, right? We wanted to kill bacteria and knock them dead. Any sort of bacteria was bad. You know, it's like the wild west. We were out to kill them, but now we realize <laughs> the bacteria are, are beautiful and that it's a symphony in the body between us and good species of bacteria that, that fuel all aspects of human health. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Thank you so much for being with us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Today, we are talking about the gut, surprise, surprise, and how it is the second brain. But we're also diving into new strategies that have been recently discovered in gut health, how your bacteria, both good and bad, communicate, how you can fix your gut health inside of your spice cabinet what you didn't know about how plants are actually affecting your gut health and a secret weapon quercetin and what that does to your gut health. Today, my special guest is Dr. Dan Glubler. He has a podcast called Proactive Health Podcast and Discover with Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan is currently the chief scientific officer at Brilliant Science and has years of experience in the health services community. Dr. Dan received his BS in biochemistry and a PhD in natural products chemistry. He is an American Cancer Society fellow at Caltech and a professor of natural products chemistry. Dr. Dan, it is such a pleasure to have you here today on the Gut Health Reset podcast. I'm excited because we're talking about new strategies in gut health, and I'm really excited to dive into what you know, but what got you interested in gut health? So um, just the stats, when the science came along, you know, that what we're understanding now that for every, um, and, and the numbers change, but for every one human cell in the body, we have over 10 bacterial cells that were a living ecosystem that just floored me. The paradigm shift, you know, that uh, uh, before it, everything was antibacterial, right? We wanted to kill bacteria and knock them dead. Any sort of bacteria was bad. You know, it's like the wild west. We were out to kill them. But now we realize <laughs> the bacteria are, are beautiful and that it's a symphony in the body between us and good species of bacteria that, that fuel all aspects of human health. And why do you think we had this antibacterial revolution for so long, because we're just starting to come out of that. I mean, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, technologies, the ability to do DNA sequencing, you know, now we can take a, a fecal sample or, or, you know, a sample from the, from the gut and we can detect hundreds and thousands of different species of bacteria. And the technology to do that is called RT-PCR. And so that technology really started to come online uh, late 90s or early 2000s. And so I think that kind of fueled the explosion that uh, that there's more than just a bad bacteria in the gut. Mm -hmm. And what did what do you think that this technology actually taught us and taught us about the gut microbiome? 
I think it's kind of like landing, you know, the Mars rover landing right. on Mars and taking soil samples. That's kind of what we're able to do now. You know, before, like Mars, it was always just this, this red planet. Who knew what was there? And the gut is kind of the same way. You know, we actually, it's funny, um, we actually know more about the surface of Mars right now than we do about the gut. There's still just so much we don't know. And, and everybody wants to talk about what we do know. And what we do know is marvelous. And a lot of times we want to paint a complete picture, even though, you know, we want to fill in the uh, 2000 piece puzzle, even when we have 600 pieces in place and say, it looks like this. And we don't know for sure, but it's marvelous. It's, it, it's, it's the unknown. You know, we, we look for faraway stars and want to analyze their gas composition, but the treasure trove, one of the huge treasure troves still to be teased out completely is our gut. Mm -hmm. And I think you you bring up a really you bring a really interesting perspective to the table because you've really studied how the bacteria communicates in the gut. Why is that important that we learn about this? Yeah, so if you're going to improve human health, obviously we need to know communication. The key to any good relationship is communication. Um, and that applies to health as well. We need to know how the body communicates with each other. And we understand that a little bit. We know how cells communicate with each other. Um, but learning how bacteria, so the discovery called quorum sensing, quorum sensing is the process by which bacteria talk to each other. And the way it works is bacteria, they secrete small molecules, organic compounds called autoinducers. And these autoinducers, they float through the space, the aqueous space in between bacteria cells, they're picked up. But what happens is when the concentration of autoinducers gets large enough, it actually turns on genes, chemical switches in bacteria that allow them to communicate with each other, to talk to each other. They gain new features, uh, features like the ability to become virulent, to form biofilms, to become uh, motile. It's like uh, leveling up in a game, you know, where a whole new world opens up. That's, that's what quorum sensing is. Let's do an example of what, what you're seeing with the quorum sensing and what it's activating genetically. Do you have a case or perspective on that? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Clostridium difficile, C. diff, obviously mm -hmm. big deal, really hard to get rid of. Um, one or two uh, bacteria molecules, uh, organisms of C. diff in the intestines, it's not enough to cause problem. What happens is when C. diff starts talking to each other, it secretes these organic compounds, these oxazolines. Um, and when the oxazoline concentration gets large enough, that's what allows C. diff to hide out, to become invasive, to become motile, and to basically escape uh, the immune system of the body and cause problems. Mm -hmm. So C. diff is an example of quorum sensing. Do you also see the quorum sensing the other way that the good bacteria communicate? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the great things for us as scientists is that good and bad bacteria actually use different languages, different dialects, so to speak, of quorum sensing. Uh, so that's nice. Um, and, uh, and, and so quorum sensing is the way the bacteria grow, because as we know, in the human gut, the microbiome, we have good and bad bacteria, and they're fighting for surface area. It's a land war. You know, if good bacteria concentrations are increasing, bad must be going down and vice versa. And, and the way that they're able to grow and actually grow explosively 
is via this quorum sensing mechanism. When we have these auto inducers that are picked up, it's kind of like, you know, the, when, when people start to gossip or whatnot, you know, well, oh, I heard that, you know, he actually did this or no, no, I actually heard it was this. And then it kind of gets the steady steam and then it just goes crazy exponential, right? The gossip train is off the chains and it produces something that's just wild. And that's, that's how quorum sensing is. It starts small it starts slow but then when it gets excited it can it, it can be runaway freight train uh style which is bad for human health but it can also be good if it's using the good bacteria dialect and good bacteria just completely wipe out the bad and restore uh, homeostasis to the good mm -hmm. and i think what what i'm assuming people are thinking is that well i need more good bacteria to wipe out the bad bacteria right so doesn't that just mean that I need to take a probiotic or have some more fiber in my diet? Right. And, and that's the assumption. But the, uh, but the assumption there, the caveat is assuming that bad bacteria will just yield, right? You know, that's assuming that if you have a cup that's full and you pour water in, uh, we're assuming, you know, the uh, bad, good and bad bacteria in this cup, we're assuming that when you pour uh, water in, that uh, water representing bad bacteria is only going to fall out of the cup, you know, to overflow. It's not that simple, right? If we're pouring good bacteria on top of a cup that's already full, yes, some's getting in, but it's not going to make as big of a difference as we would hope. So you really need to clear some space. You really need to, to get some surface area on your side. And in order to do that, ideally would be to remove bad bacteria to reduce that concentration such that the good can grow uh, organically naturally into there accelerated um, and that's what probiotics can do but we need to give it some room a couple yeah i've got so many questions so we've got you you mentioned biofilms and i think it's important to define what biofilms are um, associated with gut bacteria would you mind doing that real quick yeah, for sure. So biofilms is, is basically, I'm there and there's tons of different biofilms, but, uh, and mechanisms and examples, but classically speaking, a biofilm is a mixture of at least two different bacteria that are living mutually, uh, with each other. And in order to, um, you know, back being a bacteria is hard, you know, it's you against the world, you know, it's, it's, it's tough and, um, systems in the body, other bacteria are always out to get you. And so if you're able to hook up with someone and lock resources, then um, you're able to form a protective film around yourself. And so that's what, that's what biofilms do. There's bacteria, at least two different species, more a lot of times that, that uh, synergistically start collaborating with each other and start building these really strong fortresses. These, these, uh, it's like a cell wall, but it's a lot stronger than that. It's cell wall upon cell wall that forms this really, really strong cellulosic-like uh, linkage that is just rock hard. It's impenetrable. And they use that to hide out. And, you know, as hard as the body tries to get in there and to pull them apart, you know, it's kind of like the underground, the mafia or gangs that, that get so deeply rooted inside society that it's hard to it's hard to tease it all out and pull it all out. So we have this cup that's overflowing. We have biofilms. We have good bacteria versus bad bacteria. Everybody's communicating, right? So yep. how do we clear space? So that is where Mother Nature comes in. 
Um, and Mother Nature, plants have actually been fighting off bacteria for millions and millions of years. Uh, bad bacteria, uh, bacteria are good for plants. They actually work together symbiotically, just like the body, but there are bacteria that, uh, that literally uh, kill the plants, you know, uh, deader than a doornail. So they want to protect themselves. And so plants have evolved over uh, millions of years, small molecules. They've, they've developed small molecules, organic compounds like polyphenols and others that can actually inhibit quorum sensing of certain species of bad bacteria. So, um, you know, in, in our example for gossiping, if we're talking, you know, um, these, these small molecules that the um, that plants produce that inhibit quorum sensing, it basically inhibits our ability to communicate. You know, if we're trying to text back and forth, oh, you know, I hear it's all, it's all, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, it shuts down the cell phone connection, right? Shuts down the landline. It destroys the letter. You know, if we're sending a, like, a, you know, back in the day, Pony Express sending a message, uh, a message across the plains, the messenger is killed. So the letter never arrives. And, and, and when you do that, communication gossiping stops. And that's what small molecules and plants can do. And so what exactly are polyphenols? So polyphenols are a class of organic compounds. There's thousands of different polyphenols. They're found in different, uh, different uh, plants. Um, they're found in fruits, berries, nuts. Uh, one of the classic ones that has good quorum sensing activity is quercetin. Quercetin is found in the skin of apples. It's enriched in the skin of apples. It's found in berries. It's found in nuts. It's found in uh, cloves, uh, believe it or not, and a lot of other places. And quercetin is really, really good. Uh, quercetin is also found in chestnut. That's actually one of the best places that it's found. And quercetin is good at destroying these chemical messengers used by bad bacteria. The general dialect used by most species of bad bacteria, quercetin is very good at um, neutralizing that conversation. So the message doesn't get sent to the other side. Do you find any difference in taking quercetin in a supplement versus eating it in foods? Um, there, more research needs to be done on that, but some of the research that we've done supplementation, we, we've been doing a lot of research and studies with quercetin. We've been using it in a novel immune health formulation, and we find that it functions just fine in supplement form. Um, it's possible that in food, you have uh, obviously a wider array of polyphenols um, that could be um, accentu accentuating the quorum sensing effect and amplifying it in a good way, but uh, we don't know that for sure. But we do know the quercetin, either supplement form or in foods, is a really good uh, quorum uh, quencher. Mm -hmm. So I have this bacterial overgrowth that I can't seem to get rid of. I'm trying probiotics, they're making me worse. Like fiber doesn't work. So what type of diet could I do to kind of clear the way initially? Yeah, so when it, when it comes to diet, um, these quorum sensing inhibitors, a lot of them are actually found in spices. They're found in um, places like cardamom, um, capers, cinnamon, clove, uh, coriander, rosemary, nutmeg. So um, it's... And, and I wonder why that is. I don't know exactly why, but it seems like these spices have high amounts of these quorum sensing inhibiting ingredients. So uh, cooking real food, <laughs> cooking uh, with spices, 
liberal amounts of spices, you know, um, I think a lot of times when we think spices, um, you know, just a little dash here or there, but you know, if you're making potatoes, you know, roasting potatoes with tons of rosemary is a great thing. It's delicious, right? And eating the rosemary, you know, using cinnamon in larger amounts, higher quality cinnamons and, and mixing things up when it comes to your spices is a, is a good way. Um, you know, when I travel around the world studying compounds and plants and talking with traditional medicine healers, it's really interesting that in a lot of traditional medicine concoctions, you have the active plant, you know, that they're drinking, but then almost always there, there will be um, cinnamon or there'll be nutmeg, uh, you know, masala chai type stuff in there. And um, a lot of times I ask, well, you know, why, why do you put that in there? And they say, well, because it tastes good. And, and it, it might be that, but it might also be because of this quorum sensing benefit that through thousands and thousands of years of them trying and testing it, finding that putting some of these spices in, which they think is more just for acceptability and taste, so people will take it, as actually having a dual benefit of this quorum sensing uh, inhibiting effect. So eating and using spices liberally is a really good thing. So if I'm eating and using these spices and I have, you know, a, a lot of overgrowth of bad bacteria and it, it's really hard to tell, when would you, when do people see a difference with incorporating a lot more spices into their diet? Um, sci scientifically, when we look at, uh, you know, quercetin as a quorum sensing inhibitor, um, it works, it works quickly. It actually works um, over the course of 72 to 96 hours. Uh, bad bacteria concentrations are reduced 50 or 60%. And so if we look at that turnover time in the body, um, and obviously it's going to vary on a bunch of different factors, but it's something that you should start to see relatively soon, two, three, four, five, six days, not like a, you know, six months, you know, keep, keep at it and keep trying and hopefully something happens sort of thing. It, it can be quick because bacteria uh, divide constantly. Uh, the, the reproduction time of bacteria, depending on what species it, it is, is anywhere from uh, a doubling time is one to eight hours. So these double quickly. And so if we're inhibiting their ability to grow, then that's something you'll see pretty, pretty rapidly. So many people struggle with bloating, bowel issues, brain fog, fatigue. You might not even have any gut issues, but did you know the cause of it could be food sensitivities or gut infections? What I have done is I have brought a talented functional nutritionist into my practice. We have very similar training in the nutritional world. And her name is Alexis Appleberry. She is awesome. So you can head on over to our website, alt-alt-fam-f-a-m-med-m-e-d, and have a consultation with her and schedule so that she can help you get to the root cause of your problems. And so we're looking at this and we're talking about the bacteria and really digging into that in the gut. And it's clearly important for gastrointestinal function, right? It's important for yeah. bloating. It's important for weight loss. It's important for, um, you know, anxiety, depression, et cetera. So we start to get into some of those mental, emotional symptoms, but one thing that we've talked about is that the gut is the second brain, right? So, That's right. so what does this what, how do we see brain fog affected in this entire picture? Yeah. So one of the fascinating things that we're finding 
is that bad uh, bacteria, good and bad bacteria, they're producers of bioactive compounds. So they pump out these bioactive compounds that cause an effect in the body. And what we're finding is that certain species of bacteria, uh, species like Acromantia uh, municipalia, produces uh, neurotransmitters, precursors to neurotransmitters. They produce signaling molecules that send signals to the brain that reduce uh, that reduce the inflammatory response in the brain that allow cognitive function to uh, to improve. Uh, they they uh, produce uh, serotonin and dopamine like small molecules that again are, are neurotransmitters. And so when we are supporting growth of good bacteria, um, we're actually supporting neurotransmitter growth. Um, and so serotonin and dopamine are naturally produced in the body. And um, I don't know the exact numbers. There's studies that are coming out, and it'd be interesting once and for all. But there's studies that have been trying to decipher how much, uh, you know, what concentration or what amount of neurotransmitters is produced by the body versus the percentage of neurotransmitters that's produced by good bacteria in the body. And the most recent papers I read, the one I read a while ago, and so I'm not sure if it's quite accurate, but they were saying that around 60% of all the neurotransmitters and signaling molecules in the brain uh, for cognitive function are from good bacteria in the gut rather mm -hmm. than the body producing it itself. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I had seen some conflicting studies on that as well. I was like, okay. So that's, yeah, I'm yeah. really glad Re you brought that up. Regardless, what we do know is that good bacteria in the gut are vital for cognitive function. It's called the second brain uh, for good reason. And neurotransmitter growth and development and functioning is a big component of good bacteria in the gut. So I see acromancia, I see, I'm getting, um, you know, pop-ups that are like, oh, acromancia, we're on the cutting edge of being able to put this into a pill, et yeah. cetera. Yeah, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what, what foods do you know of that we can use to boost up acromancia? Because I think a lot of people are deficient in acromancia itself. Yeah. So acromancia, um, that's, that's again, something that's a bit debatable. A lot of people are trying to figure out and, and tease, mm -hmm. you know, where, where it's actually coming from. Uh, we, we, there is some research showing that in the lactose type foods, you know, like sauerkraut and stuff like that, it, there can be some acromancia there. Um, excuse me. Honestly, I, I think more research needs to be done to really nail down exactly where it's coming from. We do know that it's important that it's enriched. We do know that it's tied to lactobacillus ruteri. So lactobacillus ruteri, like in uh, sourdough bread and fermentation, sauerkraut and those sorts of things, acromancia comes along with, with ruteri, but exactly how it does that. Um, I, at least in the literature I've seen, I haven't, uh, haven't seen that teased out hundred percent. Yeah. But it, we know that it's very important, obviously for overall cognitive function, right. It, and weight loss. It's huge. Yeah. When, when it comes to bacteria, where there's actually good studies on its, uh, its, uh, beneficial effects, Acromancy, I would rate as number one right now when it comes to science. It's, really it's, cool science. It's really, really getting well studied, which is really exciting. How much, you know, we talk about the lactobacillus species, we talk about the bifido species, we talk about Saccharomyces boulardii, acromancy. How much do you think we don't know about the gut microbiota? 
I, I really do believe it's like the surface of Mars. I think that we're just barely scratching the surface. Um, being able to catalog and calculate some of these things and know that they're there, that's one thing. But being able to, to track down, because good bacteria um, are bioactive factories. They produce hundreds of different bioactive compounds. And these bioactive compounds can do everything from, from helping with, uh, with membrane permeability, with leaky gut. They could help with neurotransmitter production. They could help with the uh, inflammation process. So you have inflammation, obviously, and then you have the resolution of inflammation, where a class of compounds called specialized pro-resolving mediators helps to resolve inflammation. And um, small molecules from uh, bacteria have been implicated in that mechanism. So it's it's hard to trace exactly. Uh, it's complex because there's just so many leads to chase. You know, it's, it's like uh, a bomb goes off and you just have to kind of find uh, all the different pieces and try to put it together. And, um, when you when we look into the different species of bacteria, the permutations. So just because we say you know Lactobacillus ruteri or Bifidobacterium longum, there's many different subspecies of longum and ruteri. It's not as simple as just you know one what one phrase means everything. There's different morphologies, and so it's it's a complex uh, web that uh, that that we're trying to unravel. Um, but you know the tools that have really allowed us to do it have only come online the last uh, 10 years or so in their fullness. And, uh, you know, we're still developing the technology to really decipher them to do high, thru high throughput screening and uh, look at the metabolomics of these ecosystems. Mm -hmm. So if somebody says, you know, hey, you know, Dr. Dan, I've definitely got brain fog. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting things. Um, I, I do have some gut problems. What would your advice to them be to kind of the next steps of what they should do? Because I think people get really stuck and they're not really sure what the next steps should be. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I would obviously turning to whole foods is, is a good thing. Um, Rosemary is, is a really, really good ingredient. Um, clove is really good at helping to uh, kind of break down some of this bad bacteria chatter. So um, if, if you can use those, those are good. Um, andrographis is an immune health ingredient. Um, andrographis has compounds called andrographolides. And andrographolides have really interesting quorum sensing properties as well. Um, there's uh, supplementation is a, a good thing um, in most cases. Now, supplementation can get a bad rap, but because uh, there's a lot of bad players and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. But the nice thing about supplementation is I can get pure quercetin. Um, I can get pure uh, bicolin. I can get rosmarinic acid. And those we know unequivocally do disrupt quorum sensing in species of bad bacteria, the bad players in the body, like Pseudomonas originosa, Chromobacterium violaceum, Staph aureus, and others. And so um, being able to supplement with some of these key things can really help to make sure that we're moving the needle. One of the problems with uh, foods that we're still trying to figure out, good food is medicine, we all know that, and, mm -hmm. and we believe that uh, with all our hearts. It's just hard to know how much medicinal components are in the food, you know, when it comes to 
how it's been, how it's been bred, how it was collected, how long it sat there. Was it grown in a hothouse? You know, when was it last harvested? Um, uh, insecticides, there's a lot of different things. And so there's something to, to be said for, okay, I do have, you know, hundred milligrams of quercetin and I know it's pure and I'm going to take that. Mm -hmm. Have you seen, um, the food sources, like you, you mentioned insecticides and pesticides, have you seen that really disrupt the, the microbiome? Uh, for sure. Yeah. There has been a lot of disruption, uh, glycophosphates, um, more research needs to be done, but glycophosphates are, uh, antibacterial. I mean, when we talk about pesticides, most, most, um, problems with, uh, with crops and crops being destroyed, uh, a lot of it is insects and whatnot, but even more so it's, it's bacteria, it's Western blight, it's different types of uh, fungi, and, and those are bacterial and fungal in nature. And so insecticides are meant, a lot of them, they work to kill bad bacteria, and a lot of them inhibit quorum sensing in a not so good way for good, uh, for good bacteria. And so that's something that, that we need to be careful of. It's still, it's still a mixed bag. There's a lot more to be uh, teased out, but insecticides, glycophosphates, and whatnot, they do they do disrupt a good bacterial growth and quorum sensing uh, to a degree. To what degree, we don't know for sure, but we do know that, that it is to a degree and it's, and it's not a great thing. What have you seen also you know, with, with things like alcohol? How does that disrupt quorum sensing? Yeah, so alcohol is an indiscriminate killer of bacteria, good or bad. You know, it makes no uh, makes no judgment calls. It's just a cold blooded killer. It goes in, yeah, it just goes into the cell membrane, disrupts cell membrane integrity, disrupts osmotic pressure, and causes the cell to to lice and rupture. And so um, it's indiscriminate. And one of the really cool things and good technologies and potentials about bioactive compounds from plants to inhibit quorum sensing is we can have some selectivity there. Uh, you know, so hand sanitizers, you know, as, as great as they are, they, they probably have their place, whatever. But every time we use sanitizer, you think about it, we're killing indiscriminately the good bacteria on our skin. Now, if we had more time, we'd talk about the skin microbiome. So we talk about the gut microbiome and that's amazing. But the skin microbiome, my goodness, um, when it comes to, to skin health, not just skin care, but actually communication, pheromones, volatile compounds coming off the skin that regulate the way that we interact with each other, um, both, both from an intimacy standpoint, but also just general interactions with people. Um, this is because of molecules from the skin microbiome. So when I'm taking ethanol and just rubbing it indiscriminately on my skin, I'm killing all those species of bacteria. So if there is a way to just uh, kind of be more selective, that's, that's really cool. And that's where this quorum sensing technology, that's what has me really excited about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think the communication is very, very important. So, I mean, I think we have really covered, uh, you know, a little bit about diet. I want to just dive in a little more because um, you talked about, you've talked a lot about plants. How yeah. do you feel about protein? and the gut? Um, pro protein is, is, is needed, obviously. It's, it's one of the macromolecules and the body uses it as fuel. It's a longer lasting source of fuel. Um, when, it, when it comes to actual uh, gut health, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's needed. Um, 
The important thing though, when, when I look at it, when you look at macro ratios, um, we all know the science behind um, fiber, um, you know, and the, and the prebiotic fiber and, and, and the great science there. Um, protein, it's, it's kind of back and forth, you know, can protein be inflammatory, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with a high protein, high fat diets, there's a lot of back and forth there about, you know, is that pro-inflammatory with the gut versus a plant-based diet? Um, the thing that has me the most excited are these phytobiotics, these small molecules. So when we take food, we have macro molecules, which protein, uh, fat, carbohydrates, we have, uh, excuse me, macronutrients, excuse me, we have micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, and then we have phytonutrients. We talked about quercetin, we've talked about polyphenols in a broad sense, but uh, catechins, amides, short chain fatty acids, esters, there's all sorts of really interesting phytonutrients that for me, I think holds the key. Uh, and we need to work more on the discovery aspect of that for improved gut health. For me, that's really where the treasure trove is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So it's not really, we really need to dig in a little bit more to figure out. We just know such a small amount, I think at this point. Yeah, I we agree do. with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what we do know, we do know that small organic compounds from plants like polyphenols and uh, elagic acids and eugenol and other small molecules do have beneficial effects on the gut. And so obviously we need to be Eating, eating those, we need to be eating a well-rounded diet. Uh, that for me is one of the cases why we should be eating plants, a lot more plants in their pure form. And then when research warrants it, I think smart science-based supplementation is warranted and needed. Not just the random, you know, I'm gonna take a supplement because it's, you know, because I said I they say I should, I have no idea where it comes from. It's just pumped out of some contract manufacturing facility. It's nothing special, whatever. You know, I, I'm not an advocate of that, but smart science-based supplementation um, where you can actually show, yeah, you probably should need 50 milligrams of quercetin and 10 milligrams of eugenol because it does this for the gut. Um, that combination uh, can be really helpful. And you mentioned something that I want to touch back on because it happened on one of my other podcasts, which is short chain fatty acids. And I actually yes. got a couple of questions about short chain fatty acids. So what are they and how do we get them? Yeah. So when good bacteria, good and bad bacteria, when they break down, um, these, these are factories, these are machines. And so they're constantly taking in uh, substances and they're, and they're churning out substances. They're producing bioactive compounds. Um, and when, when bacteria undergo fermentation process with sugar, um, they produce short chain fatty acids. So an example of a short chain fatty acid is acetic acid. And we know acetic acid with vinegar, um, but there's also, there's a lot of other short chain fatty acids. There's, there's butyric acid, there's valeric acid, isovaleric acid, um, hexanoic acid, and these acids produced by the gut. Um, what we know is that there is a cell signaling property that these short chain fatty acids have. Um, so, you know, there's more research that needs to be done, obviously, but um, we do know that these are part of the signaling entourage that good bacteria in the gut produce that, that communicate with other, with, with human cells in ways that um, we don't quite understand exactly, but they do help to relay messages for cognition, for circulation, 
for digestive health, for membrane, membrane transport, and a lot of other facets that are, that are really cool. I think even inflammatory bowel, there's been incredible yes. research on inflammatory bowel as it relates to short-chain fatty acids. Yes. SCFAs, short-chain fatty acids, are one of the biggest indicators of good gut health. And so a lot of companies that are doing uh, the testing where they'll test your microbiome and, you know, you send in a fecal sample to them and they go and they test it and they come back and say, you know, these are all the bacteria that you have in your gut. Um, one of the biggest things right now that they're, um, that they're giving uh, the, the results, which is the most beneficial, is actually your short-chain fatty acid amount. Uh, because mm -hmm. what we're finding is that if short chain fatty acids are up, the higher they are, the more healthy the gut is. And that translates to uh, all aspects of the body. Very cool. Well, um, I want to wrap up at this point, but this has been so interesting on, you know, everything, gut health and the new technology that we're learning associated with the gut. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you think is important to add? Um, I, I would just say that, you know, the gut is one of these, uh, final frontiers that it needs to be studied. There's a lot that we don't understand. Um, I, I would say that we need to be discerning, uh, individuals and researchers that a lot of times we want to jump to conclusion when it comes to, to gut health. And there's a lot of, uh, theories out there, you know, that, that sound cool. They sound sexy. They sound logical, but when it comes to the actual science, it might not actually work that way. And so that's why it's, it's great having people like you and others that are, that are disseminating correct information about the gut. And so I think we need to be continuing uh, students. And then we need to utilize companies that are developing and harnessing new technologies to uh, help to take care of the gut because it's living, it's dynamic, it's not static. And, um, you know, just like the sanitizer, the hand sanitizer, that is really kind of a bad idea when it comes to supporting health of bacteria globally. And so we need new technologies coming online and we need to look for those and be discerning. And, um, and, and there are good researchers and good companies out there that are doing some of those things. And we'll see some of that start to come online here a, little, a bit more. Awesome. Well, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah. So I have a, I have a podcast. It's called discover with Dr. Dan. And uh, you're going to be on the, on the show here in a little bit. I am. I'm excited, I am. Mm -hmm. excited to chat with you and it's going to be a blast. Um, so you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I do some things on Instagram. My handle is Dr. Dan Goobler. Um, and then I have a startup company called uh, brilliant and we're developing some new technologies. So one of one ingre ingredient, one product that we sell is called brilliant defend. And it uses quorum sensing technology to support immune health. And we've have some clinical studies behind it. And it's the only product that's using quorum sensing inhibiting technology. So you could find that product on our website at uh, feel, F-E-E-L, feelbrilliant.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been awesome. Just so informative. And it's just been a pleasure spending time with you. So thank you. Same here. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.